Hey there, Heights family. We are back with week two of our sermon series recap podcast. I'm joined here by my good friend, David Barrett. Hello, David. Hey, Pierce. You uh, you preached uh, just a couple days ago, week two of Into the Harvest, and I like to start, this is what I did with Gary, so I'm going to do my best to regurgitate what I kind of thought were your key points. Interesting verb. Yes, thank you. Uh, there will be no actual regurgitation, hopefully. Mm-hmm. The folks in the podcast studio don't want to like that. This is audio only? Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, so in my mind, your, your key your key points were really God works through availability, not ability, which I love that. And the second is is then, and, and you did this all while, while staying very much in Acts 8. You, you mentioned, hey, I don't want you to think I'm preaching two sermons. I didn't think that at all. Because then you sort of landed us at the spot of, are you prepared to show hospitality? And so here's a question I have for you, David. On that first point, God works through availability, not ability. The whole time that, that I was listening to that, I, I'm thinking, I was upstairs with the Bible boomers and Heights you. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching on demons. Mm-hmm. And so immediately hearing you and essentially what you would have been preaching downstairs while I'm upstairs, I'm thinking, man, how demons, how the enemy loves to get in the way of us going into the harvest by crippling us with insecurity, thinking that we don't have the ability, therefore we don't make ourselves available, which is the very antithesis of most of your sermon. But all that to say, I mean, what do we do with a very real enemy that wants to sideline us with feelings and thoughts of inadequacy? Even if we know that, that we are prepared and we are called to this, but w- what do we do in that situation of feeling insecure? Yes, thank you. No, I, I think that we remind ourselves that our identity is not in what we do. It's not in our significance. It's not in our success. Rather, our our identity is in Christ. Um, when, when Jesus was in the wilderness and Satan came and tempted him. It wasn't just that he was lobbing scripture bombs at him. I, I, the way that I grew up, at least, of kind of envisioning how the temptation of Jesus went, um, Satan comes at him almost, it's almost like Lord of the Rings a little bit. Like that scene, <laughs> Lord of the Rings with the Balrog, and, you know, Gandalf is on the, the cliff and he says, You shall not pass. Oh. That and your Sean Connery voice in 24 hours is incredible. I have, I have it in me. It almost, it's almost like he, he, he fires, you know, man shall not live by bread alone. And like, bah, and Satan gets hit. And then he fires another one in, from Deuteronomy. And he fires another one from Deuteronomy. And then Satan just spirals back into oblivion. And look, I, I honestly think that if you, you think about it, Logically, and, and we've been talking about this in Heights You, Satan knows more scripture than we do. Sure. He's had a lot more time to manipulate it. He's had a lot more time to use it against us and against uh, generations and generations and generations of people. So so I don't think the fact that we love the one verse that we know, Philippians 4.13, Adam, is, is necessarily going to be to do too much to him. What I do think expels the power of darkness. What I what I do think what breaks the power of canceled sin and sets the prisoner free is when we 
remind ourselves of our identity in Christ. Mm. We remind ourselves of the gospel. We, we do what Luther told us to do when he said, we have to preach the gospel to ourselves. Yeah. This is what Luther did. Luther would literally go out into the black forest, and whenever he felt Satan was tempting him with insecurity, tempting him with fear, tempting him with inadequacy, he would literally shout into the forest saying, no, I am not forgotten. I am not abandoned. Christ has died for me. Christ is with me. Christ will come again. He has not forsaken me. And, and honestly, I think that's an exercise that all of us should do. I mean, maybe some of us really should go down into the hill country and, and, and yell and scream that, no, we have not been forgotten. No, God is with us. No, God has not abandoned us. He is with us. And I, I think that's one way to, as an antidote of, of Satan's schemes, um, is that we remind ourselves, we preach ourselves the gospel and the fact that our identity is in Christ and not any other identity that we would, we would place on ourselves through achievement. Yeah, that's so good. And I think just on that note of preaching your gospel, the gospel to yourself, I mean, and you helped us understand this, but a simple survey of Scripture and God's chosen instrument would suggest that 99.9% of the time, mm -hmm. the criteria is availability, mm -hmm. not ability. Like, I, I don't want to go so emphatic on this because I'm sure that it, given long enough, maybe I think of something, but, but I'm trying to think of a time in Scripture when God chose someone that had exceptional raw ability. I don't think so because, I mean, think about... Think about this uh, this contrast, the book of Ruth, right? Mm -hmm. The book of Ruth, the very first verse in the book of Ruth is in the time when the judges ruled the land. Mm -hmm. Most scholars are going to tell us that Ruth was written when Samson was a judge. Okay. And think in terms of that. You have a Moabite, foreigner, woman, widow, and she is the one who not only saves her people, but she also brings the Savior of the world into the world mm -hmm. as Jesus' great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother, as opposed to Samson, who was strong in the world's eyes, who had everything going for him in the world's eyes, and yet his strength was ultimately his undoing, and he died in a, a rubble of a Philistine temple. I mean, you see strong man versus, quote-unquote, weak woman. Yeah. And God uses the weak woman. I say that as the contrast. Right, right. But God uses someone who is very unlikely to bring about his purposes. And I think, as you said, that that's the pattern throughout Scripture. Yeah. And the very lineage of the mm -hmm. Messiah. Absolutely. That's awesome. So I want to transition now to your um, second second point. And it's it was simply, are you prepared to show hospitality. And, and I loved um, the, the way that you, you brought the Rosea Butterfield, uh, the gospel comes with a house key in. But kind of talk me through this. Uh, let's get real practical. I, I know just through working with you that, that you and Katie, maybe not right in this very moment as you have a brand new baby daughter, but just what are ways in, in your life, not in David, the preacher, knowing a lot of scripture and Luther quotes, but, but what does it just look like in your everyday life to show hospitality? I think it starts with being open to conversation. Uh, my sister-in-law, she works for Crew, and one of the big emphasis that she was telling me that 
crew uh, is doing on college campuses is this campaign called What Do You See? And it is what it is. It's, it's what do you see? What sort of people are around you? What conversations are you in? Um, and I think after that, just opening your eyes to see really what God has placed in front of you, um, asking good questions, asking follow-up questions, being just a, a decent person and opening <laughs> up your life. Um, but I also think that it's just just making the ask. You know, I mean, most everything, it's it's just making the ask. I mean, we, we had some people over to our house on, on Saturday night, and it's good. We just did some smash burgers. It was fun. It was a good time. Mm. Um, just... Katie just asked them to come over, and and they did. I, I think a lot of this is just we plan, we think this is a good idea, yeah. we want to do it, but at some point, you just you take in what you see, you ask good questions, and just be a conversationalist, and then just ask people to come over for a meal. Yeah, that's about it. And that's so important. Or your first point on on the obstacles, right? And how we so often, uh, excuse me, it was your second point. Christianity is a calling, not a performance. Because in my own life, if I can be honest, I feel like we've often used, like I'm talking I was convicted here, that that we need to have our house, our boys, our life in some sort of performance-worthy condition before we invite people in. And and maybe it's our house being clean, but we've pretty well just settled into a life that that's not a reality. But it's at least our schedules are clean, right? Well, we can't invite someone over tonight because we've got X, Y, Z, and then our boys will be cranky. And, and it's just this constant, if we're not in the pristine place to represent ourselves, then we just kind of throw it out and say, yeah, well, maybe next time. But I just, I was so, so overcome with, honestly, conviction of, and what that, that is a performance-based faith. Like, God's not asking me to be anything other than who I am. And that's discouraging, right? I don't want people to think that my life is some cleaned up, polished version of itself. Mm -hmm. That's the plastic Instagram version that that you don't need to be invited into my home Mm -hmm. to see. You you can see that on my wife's grid. That was nothing against her Instagramming. It's lovely, but... um, It's a a testament that we can make an idol into anything. Right. We can make an idol into our house. We can make an idol in the way that we parent. We can make an idol into our kids. I mean, and if you don't believe me, just go to your kid's baseball game and watch how your self-worth rises and falls with every single at-bat. <laughs> I mean, it just, we will make an idol out of anything. And I think the first step toward, we're talking about making it practical. The first step toward hospitality is recognizing that we can make idols out of our house. We can make idols out of the way we parent. We can make idols out of the image that we've carefully crafted. And at the end of the day, what an idol does is it just keeps us coming closer, closer, closer until it slits our throat. And that's not me saying that. That was what Billy Graham said mm. with that sort of violent language of, yeah, we may think that, you know, keeping people out of our house is, you know, it's it's not a big deal. Or we may think that not being hospitable is not a big deal. Keeping the stranger out, oh, it's not a big deal. We're just, we're not too busy. Rosario Butterfield has a quote, and the gospel comes with the house key. She says, the real danger is not stranger danger. The real danger is is the fact that, and I'm paraphrasing here, the real danger is essentially what your heart is going to become when you don't welcome in the stranger. Yeah, Yeah. that's so good. Another practical thing that that came to mind as I was uh, 
listening is is this really this comes from a friend that I have that lives in DC. He's lived there for about a decade and you have other friends? Like two. Okay. Yeah. Two total other would suggest. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but but as he moved, I, I remember one of the things he said he loves about living in Washington, D.C. Is, is he said it's, it's a front yard, not a backyard culture. Mm-hmm. And that has always stuck in my mind as such a great way to get to know your neighbors and to show hospitality. And I think real practically, I would encourage and challenge people, hey, what do you have in your backyard compared to your front yard? It's a good word. If, if your grill, your, your chairs, your kids' toys, if all of that is in the backyard— I'm not saying don't utilize your backyard, but bring some of that stuff in the front yard. Force yourself into a rhythm where you have to be in the front yard to engage with people. And I love it, especially in our old neighborhood. You, we, we would joke often about the houses that, that had chairs out front and that looked like life was lived in the front yard. We would joke, oh, we want to be friends with those people because they look like the kind of inviting people that, that we want to surround ourselves with in our community. And so live a front yard culture, I think is a huge help. I think that's a great word. I mean, Dave Rogers said something to me one time and it wasn't, he wasn't making a point or anything. He was just casually mentioning how he lives his life. He said that, you know, he, he's got the Traeger out, he's grilling on Saturdays and he's doing it just outside the garage. That's mm. where it is. It's in the front driveway. And I mean, he just kind of said that as a, as a throwaway, but that really stuck with me as, oh, your grill's not in the backyard. It's not in a fence. It's actually out in the front yard so that you can kind of be present. You can say hello to neighbors as you go by. I mean, just the spacing and positioning of that um, hospitality is, is, is really almost it's in large parts just spacing and positioning, as you said, of are we a backyard family or are we a front yard family? Nothing wrong with the backyard family. Yeah. I mean, we got, you know, play place in the backyard. It's great. But I do think that you're right. It's positioning yourself in the front yard will make it far more likely that you interact with your neighbors and thus lead to hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. That's good. Be front yard people. Let's go. That should have been the title of the sermon. Be, Be a front, front yard, yard person. Pe- yes. Well, hey, thank you so much uh, for tuning in to, to check out this week's episode of the Sermon Recap Podcast. If there's any way that we can resource you to, to be more hospitable, if, if you are looking for some practical tips, um, ways to engage with your neighbors, we, we certainly want to be uh, a church of Ephesians 4.12. We want to equip you for ministry. We've got resources and ways we can do that, so don't hesitate to reach out if there's a way that we can help you engage and show hospitality in your harvest. So thanks so much. Thank you, David. And we will be back next week as we wrap up our series Into the Harvest with our very own Pastor Gary Singleton.